0: Romans chapter 16, the last few times that we've met together, we saw there in chapter 15, where Paul admonished us to love one another, to be, in, to be unified together, to, for the weak and the strong to encourage one another and to lift up one another, not to be judging one another uh, in relation to non-essential issues. And this morning we come to the last chapter of the book of Romans. So next week, if I stand up here and say, turn to the book of Romans, it'll be just a habit. You know, I got got it into here, so. And who knows, I might be in Romans next week. Romans chapter 16. At first glance, this chapter looks very insignificant. Um. After all the great theology of Romans, we now come to a list of names that for the most part are very hard to pronounce. So as we read this chapter, bear with me as we try to you know, do this. But we should not for a moment think that this chapter is insignificant. This chapter reminds us that Romans was written to real, ordinary believers. People just like you and me. And one of the joys of the Christian life is being together, laughing together, praying together, worshiping together, weeping together. These are a list of names that the Apostle Paul, and and there's a great lesson for us here in what Paul does. Paul is without a doubt what many would consider the greatest apostle that ever lived, the book of Romans is considered to be his magnum opus of all the letters he wrote. It's, it, it, there are people who don't even really know the Bible that know of the book of Romans and the significance that it has. But Paul here is, is going to great pains to point out something very simple. Folks, I don't do this on my own. Now, of course, you know, Paul would be very embarrassed if he knew how we look at him. But I think we look at him rightly. Paul was a great apostle. He is greatly used of God. But Paul here is showing that ministry does not happen without help. Whether you're the pastor, whether you're an elder, whether you're... Just a church member. It doesn't matter. Whatever your ministry is, we need one another. We need help in it. And so here in Romans 16, Paul highlights the gift of Christian friendship. And Christian friendship is a gift of God's grace. We are made in the image of God. We are made for relationships. Uh, Ministry is not done alone. We need to elevate the ministry of encouragement and the importance of genuine Christian friendship. I want to read what the writer to the Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 and 13. He says, See to it, brothers, that they're that there not be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. But encourage one another, day after day, as long as it is called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Paul, in the, in chapter 15, and here uh, in, in chapter 16 and he talks about this in the book of Philippians, he talks about it in Ephesians, he talks about it in Galatians he encourages us to encourage one another we all need some encouragement at times. We all face trials and tribulations. And sometimes we, we need someone to come up alongside of us that understands. And when I say that understands, now you may go through something I've never been through before. But when I say someone that understands, I'm talking about someone that can come up alongside of you that says, We know God. We have the same Father. And I may not understand the situation you're going through. But let me encourage you to look to your Father. Let me encourage you to re- to remember who God is. So, <clears throat> we, we, we see that Paul here is stressing the importance of our friendship as Christians. And I want us to notice in this chapter three observations regarding Christian fellowship. Look at verse 1. <laughs> I'm not looking forward to reading this out loud, but... Now I commend you to our sister Phoebe, who is a servant of the church which is in Centria, that you receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints, and that you help her in whatever matter she may have need of you. For she herself has also been a benefactor of many and of myself as well. Greet Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who for my life risk their own necks to whom not only do i give thanks but also all the churches of the gentiles also greet the church that's in their house greet Eponidas, my beloved who is the first convert to christ from asia greet mary who has labored for much for you greet andronicus and junia my kinsmen, and my fellow prisoners, who are outstanding to the apostles, who also were in Christ before me. Greet Ampliatus, my beloved in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and Statius, my beloved. Greet Apelles, the approved in Christ. Greek, Greet those who are of the household of Aristobulus. Greet Herodian, my kinsman. Greet those of the household of Narcissus who are in the Lord. Greet Tryphenia and Tryphosa, laborers in the Lord. Greet Persis, the beloved, who labored much in the Lord. Greet Rufus, a choice man in the Lord, also his mother and mine. Greet... Okay, I don't know how, I have no clue how to say that name. (laughs) George. Greet a, a synctress, <laughs> Phlegon, Hermes, Petrobus, Hermus, and the brothers with them. Greet Phil- Philogelus and Julia, Nurus, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Now, those names are hard to say. Okay, I mean, names. names. I mean, I hope I I said Mary right. (laughs) (laughs) The importance of Christian fellowship and friendship in this chapter is emphasized by the number of greetings that Paul gives. I mean, he, he comes to the end of this letter and he says, look, I have a list here. This is not Paul's Twitter list. This is not his Facebook, friends. These are people that he personally knew. Now, some of them he probably have not met, but he knew them. And, and he knew of their, their dedication to serving Christ with him. And so we consider the diversity of the terms that Paul uses in this passage. He uses words like friend, fellow worker, servant, fellow prisoner, brother, sister etc. And and most of these names are Greek, some are Jewish, and uh, some even appear to be Latin. And, And we see the diversity of them. Jesus came to call a people out from every nation, tribe, and tongue. And here Paul, he lists these names and they come from everywhere. They come from all over the world. And he, he's, he's mentioning them and listing them and saying, these are those who are working with us side by side to present the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, and, and, you know, a number of these that are mentioned, to the surprise of many people, there's a lot of women that are mentioned by Paul. You know, I, I can't tell you how many people I've had tell me, oh, the apostle Paul, he hated women. Which is completely not true, by the way. But you notice that Paul he mentions several women, and it reminds us that the missions of God, it's not just reserved for men. Men and women have their roles within the church, but we need to understand that 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 Christ came. And he said, wives be in submission to your own husbands. And there are those who claim that Christianity puts a woman down below where she doesn't. But they don't understand. Christianity exalts a woman. It lifts a woman to where, she, where to where she should be. So Paul here, he mentions, and, and I'm sure when they read this letter and they say all these women's names. You know, he mentioned Pris- Prisca, or that's Priscilla. Priscilla and Aquila. You know, Paul met them and... Uh, <coughs> they are the ones who took Apollos under their wing and began to teach him. They had a church in their home. As a matter of fact, we get the idea that they had more than one church and more than one home that they attended and that they took care of. So, Paul sees these all partnering together for the gospel. See, this is the goal for which you and I, as as brothers and sisters in Christ, as friends in Christ... That we have a goal, and that goal that we are called to do is to proclaim the message of the gospel to all the nations. And every one of us plays a part in that. I will tell you, you may not know this, but you play a part in every sermon I stand up here and preach. I know that there are some of you, many of you, hopefully all of you, that are praying for me as your pastor and a preacher. That you pray for one another daily. That you pray for the, for Cindy and Jamie as they do the music for Tim as he's an elder. You pray for the deacons. You pray for everyone because uh, you know Rebecca doing the women's Bible study and and the grief share thing. And we're all partner in this. And and you may not be one that actively participates in what's going on, but what you can do is the most important thing. Pray, pray. And and, and I'm sure many of these, they they often remembered Paul in their prayers. So Paul sees them as partnering in the gospel. He mentions a woman named Phoebe. Now, I'm not going to go all through all of these names, okay? Because I don't want to have to say them all again. But he mentions Phoebe. Now, many commentators believe that he mentions Phoebe because Phoebe is the one that probably carried this letter that Paul had written to the church in Rome for him and and so he commends her and she was obviously well known for her service in the church and and he has greetings to more friends and more churches uh, Paul speaks of how they how uh, Priscilla and Aquila how they risk their own lives their own necks for him speaks of sacrifice are we willing to sacrifice for one another? Are we willing to, to lay down our lives that the gospel may go forth? You know, I, I think about all across the world today, there are missionaries who are going out there. You know, there was an old missionary one time that said this. Something for us to remember. <clears throat> We need to take the gospel to the world. We need to take the gospel to our city. We need to take the gospel to our communities. We need to take our gospel to our neighbors. We need to take the gospel to our families. And he said, look, if you don't want to go, that's fine. I'll go down into the well. I just need you to hold the rope. And I thought that is so cool. Because that's what we need. Sometimes we just need you to hold the rope while we go down into this. And this is what Paul, uh, he he mentions these two. And he mentions many others and their contribution to the spread of the gospel. Uh, And in verse 16, he says, Greet one another with a holy kiss. Okay. Now, I I read several of my Romans commentaries on what they say about that verse right there. Why are y'all looking at me that way? (laughs) Greet one another with a holy kiss. Now, I don't think my wife would appreciate it if I kissed Rebecca when she came in. I don't think Tim would appreciate it. Rebecca probably wouldn't even appreciate it. (laughs) So what is Paul talking about here? I mean, maybe though Roger, I can give you a kiss and you come in, is that all right? No. Come on, man. J.B. J. Phillips gives a paraphrase of this verse when he says, give each other, that Paul is saying, give each other a hearty handshake for my sake. And so, but but the point is this, that amongst us who labor together in the gospel... There should be a, a warmth. There should be a love. There should be a genuine enthusiasm of purity as we greet one another. We should be glad to see one another. And Paul says that, that this should be to the point that, that there's no mistaking how we feel about one another. We, we gather together and we love one another. You cannot say, I, I am one of those kind of people. Y'all may not know this. I'm a touchy-feely kind of person. You see me constantly touching my wife's hand. And no, it's not a signal. (laughs) All the time. (laughs) My little granddaughter right there, usually she'll see me and the first thing she does, she grabs her cheeks because she knows they're fixing to get kissed. I'm constantly, you know, I walked around with her yesterday holding her hand. You know why? Because I genuinely love them. And this is where, Paul, when we genuinely love someone, it's going to show. You know, I I have said many, many times, and and, and I don't want to get off of where we're at here. I just want to throw this in here because I know y'all need it. Gentlemen, it is all right for your wife to know you love her. Did you know that? It's okay. It's okay for me to know you love your wife. (laughs) All right, I'll move on. But Paul says we are to love one another, and that, that love will be shown in affection. We will want to gather together, we'll want to be together, and we partner together. You know, and, and we say, you know, what are you doing? Somebody says, you know what, I'm going to see my family tomorrow. It's Memorial Day. And some of them are lost. Please pray for me. As I And that's what we do. We pray. I mean, we really do. You now, I think a lot of times somebody comes and they say, you know what, would you please pray for me? And we say, you better believe it. And then we forget all about it. We need to re- truly pray for one another. All right. Then we see how Christian fellowship is established. It's the gospel. Notice the Christ-centered basis of these relationships. Uh, in verse 2, he says, in the Lord. In verse 3, he says, in Christ Jesus. In verse 5, he says, to Christ. And, and Paul's point here is, we must understand that all of our relationships that we have in this church, ever how we meet, gather together, how we meet together, we are one in Christ. Christ he is the center he's the what holds us together and Paul says this is the thing we must always remember that Christ is the center uh, some of these were former unbelievers who were changed by the gospel and Jesus made them family they were united by a common faith in Jesus this is why when we come you know when we have the Lord's supper i always refer to it as coming to the Lord's table And I always issue a warning that if you're not saved, don't do this. If you have uh, unconfessed sin in your life that you refuse to give up, don't do this. And there's a reason for that. And the reason goes beyond the warnings that were given in the Bible. But you see, we are gathering as a family to celebrate and remember what Christ has done. When we have what we call a fellowship. Okay? Now, when we think of fellowship, what's the first thing you think of? Food. But that's not what fellowship is. You know what fellowship is? Fellowship is someone who has something in common and they talk about it. With us, that something or that someone is Christ, our spiritual food. See what I'm saying? So, Paul here, he says that the gospel is what brings us together. And the gospel, it not only changes our identity, but it establishes a new community. There is nothing like the community of a church, there's nothing like it anywhere. Now, there are all kinds of groups out there that meet together on a weekly basis or ever how long they meet, and they gather together and they fellowship with one another. But we are unique. We are unique in that we are centered around one person, the Lord Jesus Christ. We are unique in that, you know, Vernon McGee used to say Have you ever realized that the church is the only organization that you have to admit to being bad before you can get into it? We have to admit that we're sinners. And so Paul here, he's saying that everything we do is centered around the gospel. And then he talks about how Christians' friendship is experienced. It's in love. Look at verse 17. He says, Now I urge you, brothers, to keep your eye on those who cause dissensions and stumblings, contrary to the teaching which you learned, and turn away from them. For such men are slaves, not of our Lord Jesus Christ, but of their own stomach. And by their smooth and flattering speech, they deceive the hearts of the unsuspecting. For the report of your obedience has reached you all. Therefore, I am rejoicing over you. But I want you to be wise in what is good and innocent in what is evil. And the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. Timothy, my fellow workers, greet you, and so do Lucius and Jason and Sosipater, my kinsmen. I, Tertius, who wrote this letter, greet you in the Lord. Gaius, host to me and to the whole church, greet you. Erastus, the the city treasurer, greet you. And Quartus, the brother, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, be with you all. Amen. So Paul here he, he says that they are to honor one another. This goes back to what he said there in chapter 12 and verse 10, where Paul says being devoted to one another in brotherly love, giving preference to one another in honor. We are to honor one another. And this is what he, he's honoring them. Uh, he says we are to show hospitality to one another. Th- this entire chapter illustrates what he says there in Romans twelve ten about honoring one another and showing hospitality to one another. Um, In chapter 12 and verse 13, we see that Paul is living out what he what he says there when he says, contributing to the needs of the saints, pursuing hospitality. Paul here is exhibiting exactly everything that he said over the last two or three chapters. He's saying, I told you there must be unity, there must be love, there must honor one another, you must encourage one another, and then he says, let me show you how it's done. And then he begins to do this. So here we are, so showing affection to one another. Our greetings should be warm and affectionate and sincere. We need to practice this exhortation. We need to, to, to be glad to see one another, to truly love one another. You know, one of the highlights of my week is coming in here on Sundays. And not just because I get to preach. But it's because I get to see many of you that I don't see during the week. Now you may not believe that but that's true because I love you. I love all of you. And I miss you when I don't see you. And so Paul here is saying, this this is where he's at. He's saying, I love all of these. And he said, I, I want us to, to be together and to exhort one another in this manner. He says that we are to show affection. We are to be doing ministry together. The list here in Romans sixteen uh band of brothers and sisters with one goal serving God. Serving the Lord. That's all they're here for. We often hear people talk about serving the church. But, you know, technically, that's not what we do. If you're serving the church, that doesn't necessarily mean you're serving God. Did you know that? I'll tell you, there are many a preacher that stands in a pulpit that doesn't even know who God is. There are many a church member that have their names on the church roll for years, for all their lives, that have no idea who God is. But we are called to serve Christ through the church, in the church. And this is what He's calling them to do ministry together. This is what we do. Uh, the, the, The preaching and the teaching that you hear, I cannot do it alone. I need your prayers. I need your encouragements. Whatever you're going through in your life, whatever your ministry is, you need me to encourage you. You need me to lift you up. You need me to pray for you. And and here's what Paul's talking about that we have got to do this together. Have you ever, you know what's an interesting thing? Throughout God, John's gospel and the book of 1 John, there is a theme that runs through both of those letters of John, his gospel and the book of well, actually the book of 1st, 2nd and 3rd John. And that theme is this right here. Love one another. Love one another. You know, in his gospel, I mean, in his book of First John, John says several times, he says, look, he said, if you don't love your brother who you can see, don't say you love God whom you've not seen. Because he said, if you say that, you're a liar. We are... Bound together in Christ. And we are to love one another. We are to do ministry together. We have a common goal. And that is to see the name of Christ exalted. Listen, if that's not your goal, then you're in the wrong place. And you're being more of a hindrance than you are a help. Our goal is to see Christ exalted. Our goal is not to fill this church up with people. Our goal is not to see... uh how much money we can get our goal is to exalt christ to present him as savior to the world and that's what we're all called to do not just me that's not just my job that's all of ours all of us together all right so uh, we do ministry together we are to stay focused on the gospel together Verse 20, he says, And the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. There are three important reasons for us staying focused on the gospel. Number one is staying focused on the gospel keeps us unified. It keeps us unified because we remember what we're here. And here in these verses 17 through 20, Paul's giving a warning about divisive people, not allowing false teachers to disrupt the unity. Listen, unity can only happen around the truth of sound doctrine. And this is why we must be careful. I have had many people who have. Have, have come down on me, not in this church, but have come down on me, that say to me, why don't you leave the people like Joel Osteen alone? Why don't you leave the people like Benny Hinn alone? You got your ministry, they got theirs. and all. You know what that tells me? They don't know their Bible. But listen, we are called, Paul says, to mark those who cause divisions. And there's no greater division you can cause in a church than to bring in false teaching. Because then, and so Paul's here, he says, uh, that unity is, is revolves around the truth of sound doctrine. So we are to stay focused on the gospel, the true gospel and the truth of God's word. We are to stay focused on the gospel. It also keeps us hopeful. Uh, we have an unseen enemy. Peter says he's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. We are opposed at every turn. I have found that many, many times I am my own worst enemy. But don't for a minute think that Satan's not at work. He seeks to destroy this church, he seeks to destroy you, he seeks to destroy me. But Paul gives us hope. He says, one day, the Lord Jesus Christ will crush him under our feet. Won't that be a wonderful day when he comes? That'll be a great day. And until that day, we live in dependence on the grace of Christ and the Spirit's power for us to be faithful unto the end. Alright? So staying focused on the gospel will keep us unified, it will keep us hopeful. And staying focused on the gospel gives us strength to endure to the end. Look at verse 25. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery which has been kept secret for long ages past, but now is manifested and by the scriptures of the prophets according to the commandments of the eternal God has been made known to all the Gentiles leading to obedience of faith. To the only wise God, through Jesus Christ, be glory forever. Amen. Paul ends this great letter with the gospel. Here's a beautiful doxology. Paul ends this letter the same way he began it, by glorifying God. The gospel not only has the power to save, but it has the power to strengthen us. This is why it's important that you and I must learn that, you know, there there are so many people, I know people who say, I've heard the gospel, I don't need to hear it all the time. Yes, you do. And if you don't have somebody preaching it to you, you need to be preaching it to yourself. We need the gospel. The gospel not only tells us how to be saved, the gospel strengthens us after we're saved. Gives us hope, gives us encouragement. And Paul here is, is acknowledging the, the, the gospel. Be thankful for friends who keep you focused on the gospel. Listen, folks, if you ever come to me as your pastor and say, Pastor, I got an issue, I don't know what to do about it, and I begin to give you my wisdom and my advice, you need to go find somebody else. I must always point you to the scriptures. And you know, many times, pointing to the Scriptures means nothing more than just saying, you know what, have faith in God. Have faith in God. The Gospel is about Jesus. And we need to be thankful for the friends. Paul, he acknowledges all of these because they supported him, they prayed for him, and they kept him focused on what he was there for. We need to listen to Christ-exalting preaching and teaching. The Gospel is the grand message of the Bible Did you know the gospel is not a New Testament thing? The gospel was preached in the Garden of Eden. And you know what God told him there? Okay, now, here's what God said, and then I want you to notice what Paul said. God says, you will crush his head. And you know what Paul says right here? Verse 20. And the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. One day, the Lord Jesus Christ will come and He will crush Satan under our feet. And He is the God of peace. But the gospel is the grand message of the Bible. And all of this magnifies the infinite wisdom of God. In Verse 27, And to the only wise God, to the only wise God, All of this magnifies who God is. So we should give God praise. We should give Him praise for the gospel. Have you ever stopped and just said, Lord, thank you that I was dead on my way to hell and in your mercy and grace you saw fit to save me. Have you ever done that? Have you ever said, Lord, I just want to say thank you. We should do that. We should always be, give thanks, Paul says, in all things. And that's one of the things we should do. We should praise God for the gospel. We should praise God for the victory that we have through our union with Christ. Back in uh, chapter 8, Paul said, We are more than conquerors through him who loved us and gave himself for us. But don't miss that part. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us and gave himself for us. Just like we are, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ. All right? So we need to praise God for these. Praise God for Christian friendships. You ever praised God? Do you ever thank God for one another? You know, do you ever just just during your prayer time, do you just say, Lord, thank you for Cindy? Thank you for Vern. Thank you for Chris. Nothing in particular, Lord. Just thank you for them. Thank you that they've come into this church. Thank you they've come into my life. Paul is stressing the importance of these relationships. And we need to praise God for these things. And we need to pray for growth and Christian love. Because you and I both know we don't love each other enough. When Jesus said, love one another the way that I have loved you, we don't measure up to that. At least I don't. So I call on Him and say, Lord, love them through me. We need to pray that our love, you know, one of the prayers that Paul prayed, I believe it was in the book of Galatians, he says, I pray that your love may abound more and more towards one another. You know, I pointed out the fact that, you know, I have three brothers and four sisters. They're all half brothers or steps. But you know, not a one of them knows the Lord. Not a one of them cares anything about God. Roger, you're more my brother than they are. And somebody says, well, they're your blood. No, we're blood. Because it's the blood of Christ that courses through us. You know that? Laura is more my sister than my sisters are. We're family for eternity. And we need to praise God for one another. We need to learn to love one another. That we may honor one another. Show hospitality to one another. Show genuine affection to one another. You know, showing hospitality to one another, that's an interesting thing right there because you know in the book of Hebrews it says that some showing hospitality have entertained angels unaware. Have you ever thought about that? Somebody knocks on your door and says, hey, you got some food or you got some money and we kick them out and they go away and say, well, Lord, I tried, but He wouldn't let me in. I know that, that can be dangerous, but we trust God or we don't. Listen... Paul says that we are to show genuine affection for one another. You know, a good, a good barometer of love is this. <clears throat> do you love me? If I was hungry, would you give me food? If I came to you and I said, look, uh, things are really bad and Cindy and I don't have any food, could you give us some food to eat? Would you do that? You know that's not love. That's hospitality. Love is when you give me the food and you do without. Would you give me food if it meant you had to do without? See, that's where we get stuck. I can give to you, but wait a minute now. I've got to have mine too. So Paul says we are to... to, To pray, we need to pray for Christian love amongst one another. Let's pray that we can do faithful ministry together and that we stay focused on the gospel together. Listen, folks, I will give you the promise based on this book right here. If we will partner together to take the gospel to those that need to hear it, which, by the way, are all the lost. If we will do that, if we will be faithful in ministry together, God will work. He has promised it. To the only wise God through Jesus Christ be glory forever. That's what he said. Amen. So be it. His word be done. Jesus Christ. Is our center. He is what binds us together, in love, for one another. Folks, I hope and pray that these messages in Romans has edified you. I hope you have grown through these. You know, I I am, I'm a little heartbroken. <laughs> you know. Uh, Roger was telling me, you know, I don't know whether y'all know a man, but a preacher by the name of Tom Askell down in Florida. He's preaching through Romans and he's in his fourth year preaching through it. So, maybe next time. <clears throat> <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, I hope you have I hope that this letter that this these these series of messages has has grown you, has edified you and 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 that you have greatly been Blessed by God's word in, in Romans, I know I have. You know, uh, I you know there's nothing that will help you study a book like preaching a sermon on it. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I when I started, I'll tell you something. When I started this comp, this uh, series of sermons on Romans, I had three commentaries. I have sixteen now. <laughs> I mean, I went online. Every reputable guy I saw that had a commentary on Romans, I bought it, and um, it's it's wonderful. Um, I I don't know. We're gonna go from here to the book of. you you ready for this? Somebody will look at me and say, "Where?" The book of Habakkuk, but not right away. I got something else I want to do first. Okay, then. You'll know what that is next week. But but the next series we start will be the book of Habakkuk, and I'm looking forward to that. And I hope that you are too. And, uh, you know, I, I hope most of all that these sermons in Romans has caused you to stop and reflect and say, God, thank you. Paul started out telling us where we were, and he ends by telling us where we're going. And in, but everything else in between. That's why I said the book of Romans is the most concise book. It, you find everything from Genesis to Revelation found somewhere in the book of Romans. Did you know that? And and it's a wonderful book. And I pray that you um, will remember what we've learned in it. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you, God, this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this letter to the Romans. Lord, we don't adequately have the words to tell you how much, God, we love you. But, Father, we realize at the same time that we don't love you enough. Help us, Father. Help us not only to love you, Father, but help us to love one another. To recognize the importance of Christian friendship of partnering together for the cause of Christ. Father, may we always keep Christ at the center, that it would never become about us or about the church, but only about Him. Knowing, Father, that if we keep Him at the center,